Game week, baby. It's Tuesday. We got the Florida Gators hosting the Utah Utes this Saturday. We're going to talk about how the Florida Gators offense can attack this Utah defense on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Uh, if you're new here, which I mean a good deal you are, it's time for growth here. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, review, share with people. Let me know what you think in the comments or DM me, whatever. Talk that talk if you want, really. Like, let's get into it. But also, if you're in Gainesville this Thursday, September 1st, 7 p.m., I will be at Social at Midtown in Gainesville for a live Locked On Gators recording. Friday, September 2nd at 5.30 p.m., live Locked On Gators recording at Social at Midtown in Gainesville. But now... It's content time, so we're going to get into this, but we're going to look at how these Florida Gators offense can attack this Utah Utes defense. And yesterday, we spent a lot of time focusing on creepers and how that can be held against Utah's offense with um, the RPO attack. But today, we're talking about the RPO and how Florida can use the RPO to their advantage. Just also keep in mind, yesterday, when I was talking about how creepers can be used against the RPO, RPO is only uh, 14% of the passes for Utah. Creepers is not a creepers defense. It's a, it's a concept that Florida will break out here and there. So it's not like an every down thing. That's just one way that we're going to look at it. But here we're talking about how Florida can use the RPO to their advantage. Utah plays multiple coverages. They've always been a very good, very complex defense. And by complex, I mean, you know, you'll see cover zero, one, two, three, four. You'll see every, every coverage you can find, you'll see Utah playing. That's always what they've done well. That's one of the reasons that they're always so good on the defensive side of the ball is that they can go out there with multiple coverages. It's not like when you're playing a team that's just strictly cover three and it's like, okay, well, we'll just expose them that way. That's that's not what we're seeing with the Utah Utes. They, they go through a lot of things and, the, and a lot of different coverages. And Florida, I think, will use the RPO effectively. They did it during the spring game. I expect them to do it again here. Um, and even, even the RPOs and screens to receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever it might be, with occasional deep shots. I think Florida is going to work for the RPO because it's quick, easy completions that allow you to get the ball to a playmaker. Whether you're throwing that quick little RPO bubble, and again, if, if you're talking about this, here's what we're doing. I'll back up and I'll show you in case you didn't watch yesterday's episode. You back up as a quarterback. I'm Anthony Richardson right now. I take the snap. I've got any of the running backs behind me. And I, I make that read on that backside defensive end. If he comes in, I throw that ball real quick. Simplest, I'm throwing to the, the slant, the bubble, the, the wide receiver screen, the far screen, the seam, whatever it is. I have a read man, and I'm making that read. And if I make the read correctly, we'll pick up yards, chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. And that's what you do with it. 
RPOs can be used against a variety of coverages, obviously, because it depends on which RPO you're using. It depends on which coverage you're expecting. And maybe you'll see motion to kind of set that up to see like, okay, they're in some kind of man. So we're going to hit this slant real quick, or they're in some kind of zone. We're going to bubble it out or hit the receiver screen, try to pick up numbers there. So things like that is how I think Florida will look to use the RPO to their advantage. Obviously, it's not just an easy advantage, but here we're talking about the passing game. We're not worrying about the rushing game, which we'll see other RPO stuff there. But we saw Anthony Richardson in the spring game connect on RPOs to Justin Shorter and, and any other receiver on the field. We saw that RPOs were a thing that Billy Napier is going to implement into this offense, which is big, by the way, as well. Like, And Dan Mullen, he ran RPOs as well. This wasn't just like and Billy Napier invented the RPO. Um, but... Billy Napier is going to use RPOs more often than Dan Mullen did just because that that's what he does. And, and Or at least we're anticipating that based on what we saw from Levi Lewis in Louisiana when Billy Napier was calling the plays. We'll also take that based on what we've seen from Anthony Richardson so far in the spring game and in any other practices where we've been able to, where I, I think that's what we're looking at in this passing game as well. I think when you look at Florida and Utah throwing the ball, this is going to sound very weird considering how far apart Cam Rising and Anthony Richardson are. But I think when you look at both of these passing attacks schematically and just what they want to do for the most part, I think you're looking at pretty similar offenses. I think you're going to look at the quick game a lot. You're going to look at the RPOs a lot. That's what we'll see, I think, a lot as a passing attack. But the big difference is that Florida is going to be much more interested in throwing the ball deep than Utah is. There's just going to be way more interested, especially with Utah losing their two uh, their two leading pass rushers. You make their line prove that they can generate that pressure. And here's the thing, because I know that Utah fans are going to watch this, and I know some of y'all get a little upset with me when I said this last time. I'm not saying Utah's pass rush is weak. I'm saying don't be scared of unproven players. If they give you a reason to be scared, then consider. If they give you a reason to not do it, then don't do it. But until they prove it, you take your time and throw the ball deep. You don't just go, oh, they're going to get in. They're going to get in. No, you make them prove it. And I'm sticking to that point as well because I think Florida is at least two or three times in this game going to test Utah vertically over the middle of the field. I, I think that that's something that they're going to work on, whether it's cover one, cover three, cover two. I don't care. Whatever it is, you're going to see, I think, Florida try to challenge Utah vertically over the middle of the field because Utah's got two starting safeties there that have a combined nine starts. I, I don't care about your rotation. Combined nine starts. Make them prove that they can make the right play. That's what it is where we talk about this, this Florida defense and we're like, there's so many new starters. Utah's replacing great players with unproven quantities, unproven players and unproven characters. Make them prove themselves to you. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're bad in coverage. I'm saying they haven't proven they're good. So make them prove that to you. And I think that especially when you look at just this Florida attack, I think you're going to see the quick game to get, especially to get Anthony Richardson kind of in a rhythm. You know, allow him to get going consistently and allow him to kind of get a feel for what he's got to do there. Uh, so I, I think offensively, as far as throwing the ball, we're going to see teams that are pretty similar. But Anthony Richardson or Billy Napier, whoever you want to say, is going to want to throw the ball vertically more than Utah will. That's not a knock on Cam Rising, and that's not even me going, Anthony Richardson is so good at throwing the deep ball. That's me saying that Utah 
pretty much always has shown that they don't want to throw the ball deep very often, but also that Anthony Richardson has shown that he wants to throw the ball deep very often. I'm not saying Florida is going to be great at it. I'm not saying Utah's bad at it, but I'm saying that Florida will likely want to throw that ball deep more often. We're about to talk about how Florida can attack with the rushing game against Utah, but first a quick word from Bet Online because if you think the Floridas will win seven games this year or more, bet the over. If you think they'll win seven games or less, bet the under. Right now, Bet Online, the Gators' win total is set at seven. It is currently Tuesday, August 30th. The Florida Gators play this Saturday for the first time this season, September 3rd. You don't have a super long time to get these bets in anymore. Time is running out. Make sure that you make the right bet. Use Bet Online. It's your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. I can tell you right now, I placed it when the I placed it when the win total was set at six and a half. I got Florida over. I think this team wins eight or nine games. I think seven should happen for sure. Um, and by for sure, I mean I think it definitely should happen. Not that I definitely think it will happen. Um, but I, th- I think you got to place that bet. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. And last segment, we talked about how Florida can attack Utah throwing the ball or how I think Florida will attack Utah throwing the ball, not saying that's Utah's weakness. Now we're going to talk about how Florida can attack Utah running the ball or how they should attack Utah running the ball. And we're going to start with this. In 2021, Utah struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Just, I'm, I'm going to say a bit. I'm not going to say that they were bad, but I will say that they struggled a bit with some rushing quarterbacks. Not all rushing quarterbacks or not all mobile quarterbacks, however you want to talk about it, but they struggled with some. So we're going to look at how some of these guys succeeded against Utah because it was it was a it was a few different ways, and that's kind of the uh, the concerning way. You look at week two BYU, and I know Utah fans, you're going to be like, that game doesn't count. They didn't care under Charlie Brewer. I don't care under you right now when you're talking. Jaron Hall, BYU's quarterback, had eight carries for 89 yards. 18 of those yards came on two scrambles. The rest of the 71 came on designed plays. A lot of them were RPOs or read option style plays. So. Utah last season was a little susceptible to that. That's just what that is. I'm not saying that they're going to be bad at it this year because uh, you guys know how I feel about that, but they struggled, they struggled with that last year. Jaden Daniels, who I think is a bad quarterback, I have no problem saying, and I've said that multiple times about him, uh, against Arizona State and Utah game. Jaden Daniels had six carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. 42 of those yards came on four scrambles 28 of those yards came on three designed runs. Once again, last season, Utah showed that they were a bit susceptible to quarterback runs. That's just how it worked out. And then also there was another game that I wanted to point out where, I mean, look, if we're being honest, it was just an ugly game all around for Utah there. But it was the San Diego State game. Lucas Johnson, seven carries, 92 yards. Eight of those yards on one scramble, 84 yards on uh, undesigned runs. And so I think we're looking at a little, little trend here from last season where I know a lot of Utah fans are like, hey, Florida sucked against the run last year. Run the ball at them. Utah's going to crush them. Utah sucked against mobile quarterbacks last season, stopping them on the ground. Guess what? Florida, Anthony 
Richardson. You might recognize him one of the most physically gifted freaks that you've ever seen on a football field. Genuinely, like I've said before, people that size don't move the way that he moves. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. And also, I believe there's a quarterback that Utah has that a lot of people are like, he's basically Anthony Richardson. No, he's not a big dog. No, he's not. He, he's not him. But we'll see with Anthony Richardson. We'll see read options. We'll see if Utah is going to be disciplined. You know, they're generally a team where we go, Utah is so well coached, so disciplined. They got torched on options last year. We'll see if it happens again this year with Anthony Richardson, especially being that home run hitter that he is. I think they'll be more keyed in on him and let him hand it off to the running backs. I think Anthony Richardson's presence alone, if he can get moving on the ground, can force Utah to take a defender and set him to focus on Anthony Richardson, whether it's setting up a QB spy or just just trying to figure out any way you could do it, which would open up more passing opportunities, by the way, if you've got a defender that's just watching your quarterback. Maybe he's not watching everything that's going on around him, and you could hit a slant right over the left shoulder or whatever it is. His ability to find weak spots scrambling in 2021, Anthony Richardson's ability to find weak spots in defenses scrambling, it was pretty impressive. Um, I, I I think that, again, I'm someone who is uh, is a little particular about things. Uh, and so I think that Anthony Richardson, I've been very just of his criticisms, but he was impressive last season with finding scramble opportunities and picking up whatever he could there when he played the very little bit that he did that he did play. And then even taking away from Anthony Richardson, like I said, Utah's probably going to key in on him and let him hand the ball off. Florida has a rotating committee of four running backs that will play this season. Not sure how much will play week one or how often people will play week one, but you got Naquan Wright, you got Lorenzo Lingard, you got Montreal Johnson, who's the Louisiana transfer. Obviously, he was very successful under Billy Napier in 2021. And you got Trevor Etienne, who is a true freshman. We'll see how much he plays early on. But I think when you look at this game, something that people have spoken about a lot has been the humidity and the heat. And I'm talking about for both sides of the ball. It is for both teams. It's going to be probably a factor, obviously a bigger factor for Utah. But I think especially when you look at how Billy Napier has, throughout his career, rotated running backs. I think you'll see three or four of the running backs actually play this year against the Utah defense that, again, they're coming into humidity that they're not used to. Like, they they just don't do that. And I know that I've had Utah fans go, that's fine. They'll just rotate players more. Yeah, you're putting in your backups against other starters. That leaves you a little bit at a disadvantage there in most situations and in this situation that leaves you at a disadvantage. So you keep free, fresh legs on the field if you're Florida. Again, whether it's Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard, Montreal Johnson, or Trevor Etienne, you keep fresh legs on the field, and you hope that they can take advantage of whether they're tired Utah Utes, whether it's backup Utah Utes that are going to be there. Whoever it is, you kind of want to take advantage of them there. So I, I think that that's what you see. Also, I want to talk about this thing because – Everybody has an opinion on what Florida's running back committee should look like, and that's fine, but here's the thing. Not every backup is a scat back. Um, I want to make that very clear because I see that everybody, and not because everybody that I get comments for, they're like, oh, just just put this guy as a scat back. He's your scat back. He's your scat back. He's your scat back. Uh, They're they're 
scat backs are these smaller, shiftier, faster players. Not every backup means scat back. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, that's just something that has been irritating me a bit recently. We're about to talk about how Florida how Florida can match up personnel-wise against Utah. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. I feel like we've spent a lot of time in this offseason and in, in especially in the recent weeks talking about you know, Utah, they, they like to go 13 personnel. They like to have one running back, three tight ends, and a receiver, and they like to go heavy, and they like to just punch you in the mouth and do all these things that uh, that Utah does. That's what we talk about all the time. We go, oh, yeah, the, the personnel matchup is going to be a nightmare for them. Um, one, personally, I don't care. I don't. Um, that's, that's just not something that I'm super worried about. Uh, I think Florida could handle that. We'll see if they do, but I think they could. But Florida offensively, we're going to see their personnel groupings. And one of the personnel that we talk about all the time when we talk about Billy Napier is 12 personnel, which is, of course, if, you, if you're following from what 13 personnel is, one running back, two tight ends, one and uh, two receivers for Florida. And 12 personnel, 13 personnel is one running back, three tight ends, one receiver here. We take a tight end out, so we have two receivers on the field. It's obviously a more pass-friendly uh, personnel grouping. I don't think you really lose much in the run because I think that when you're in 13 personnel, it's like, okay, they're almost definitely running the ball. Um, so so you kind of know that at least with 12 personnel, it's like you can go either way, especially when you have the athletic tight ends that Florida has. Uh, we don't know the depth chart yet. Again, this is Tuesday's episode. Billy Napier has said that the depth chart won't come out until after practice on Wednesday. He's like, look, we won't know who's going to be there until after practice Wednesday. So we can't put out a depth chart. I think that a lot of us can make the assumption that it's going to be Keon Zipper and Dante Zanders, as well as rotating other players, particularly Jonathan Odom is another one that we talk about a lot as an inline tight end. He's a good blocker. Um, I also want to say, just because you're a good blocker doesn't mean you're an inline tight end, and just because you're a good receiver does not mean that you're going to be that motion tight end. Uh, you can be a good blocker and you go in motion, and that could be actually a huge help for your team. So, yeah, let's just knock that one out. So while we're debunking things here, let's just add that as well. Um, that's why not. So I think that it's yeah, it's going to be Zip and Xanders. Those are that should be the expectation right now. Watch them go 12 personnel. Like I said, it's it's less run-heavy as 13 personnel, just assumption-based. When you're lined up out there on a defense and you see 13 personnel, you're like, okay, they're probably running the ball. Here, when you have 12 personnel, you go, okay, two tight ends kind of indicates that you want to run the ball, but you could also go spread formations, and you can go with just even-sized doubles on each side. You can go trips one side. You can overload things. I think that's why Billy Napier loves 12 personnel so much, because there's so much you can do with it, especially when you have... Someone like, I think, Zipper is going to be the more uh, motion and move tight end, whatever you want to call him. I think he's going to be the more move tight end. You could see him go in the backfield and kind of play fullback, H-back. You could see him do a lot. And I think that really leaves a defense kind of trying to play catch up all the time. Because, again, Billy Napier is going to send these guys in motion. So I think we'll see Keon Zipper do that quite a bit. Uh, and kind of just, again, try to keep Utah on their toes or on their backs and off their feet completely. But I think 12 personnel is something that people aren't talking about enough where Utah, I mean, they've got Diabate, they've got Barton as one of their starting linebackers, which is also crazy because like so many Utah fans came into the comments when I said Barton would start and they were like, he's not starting. What do you mean? Um, Hmm. Wild, wild stuff. I'm just, I'm just letting you know that one. Um, this depth chart came out for Utah. We know who it is. 
So I think that we'll see Florida kind of try to take advantage of them up the seams and as well as in the running game. Then also one thing you're going to see that you didn't see much last year is Justin Shorter. I think playing in the slot is going to be a big part here. And I'll point out this one because it's not the reason that I think he'll be in the slot, but Justin Shorter's run blocking ability should actually help Florida, especially when they go wide zone and you're trying to bust a run out wide. Guess what? You've got Justin Shorter blocking a slot defender, blocking a linebacker, chipping a D end, whatever he's going to be doing. He's going to be helping get to the edge and help pick up extra yardage. So I think that's one thing that we're going to notice as something that uh, that Justin Shorter will help at, maybe his biggest impact there, although that's not why he's going to be playing the slot. Billy Napier has pretty consistently shown throughout his coaching career he likes to have a big receiver in the slot, whether that's just who was available or what he wanted or what he's done. It's something that's happened every year with him. So we're going to see Justin Shorter, I believe, be the one that plays in the slot. He likes to use a power slot. I think it'll be Justin Shorter more than Xavier Henderson. I think Xavier Henderson's better suited to playing on the outside because he's more of a straight line speed guy. He can work in breaking routes. And I, I think that he's just better there. I think Justin Shorter working as that slot, that big slot receiver helps as a pass, as, helps as a run blocker. But also when you work that RPO game, it makes things a bit easier for Anthony Richardson to hit that slant when it's someone like Justin Shorter, who again, we saw Anthony Richardson and Justin Shorter connect on those slants and the RPOs uh, during the spring game. We'll probably see it again here with Justin Shorter working that power slot and just, just quick pitch and catch game that you'll see from there. So I think that we'll see 12 personnel plenty in this game. I think we'll see Justin Shorter in the slot plenty in this game and throughout the rest of the season. I do think he's going to be in the slot probably like 30% of his snaps, but that's more than he was last year. So we'll see it happen. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more on your Florida Gators. Now make your second listen Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida for Locked On Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.